Welcome back to Great Takes from the Great Lakes, Episode 8, presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. As always, your Great Takes coming at you, courtesy of Luke Mori, Alex Dimel, and yours truly, Christian Peck Dimmitt. As usual, we're starting in the NFL with our power rankings. We're cracking the top 10 this week. We've got numbers 10 through number 6. In the NBA, it's all free agency and a whirlwind, a whole bunch of sign-and-trades, as well as the start of the summer league. We're also heading over to Tokyo for a bit because the U.S. just finished its run in the Olympics, finishing with the most gold medals in the world. What's happening in the NHL, Luke? Really, there's not a lot right now. Uh, It's kind of the dog days for most sports, but especially hockey, it's right in the middle before, obviously, the season starts in October. So right now, everybody's just kind of laying low. But I'm going to go through top five players still available in free agency, and then we'll just see what happens. I know we're starting to hit that midseason baseball right now, and uh, we're seeing some big names make their debuts with new teams. Alex, what's happening on the diamond? So we got to see Max Scherzer and Trey Turner make their debuts for the Dodgers, both players or Scherzer was excellent in his first start and Trey Turner has been tearing it up already in Los Angeles. We're also going to touch on an 11 strikeout complete game shutout throw by the one, the only Zach Wheeler today with the Phillies. We're going to get into also our early playoff predictions, not too early, but who we think uh, could surprise us coming down the stretch, who we think is a lock. And we'll get into a little bit more of that later on. All right, let's get into it. rankings uh if you want to hear our earlier ones of course go listen to each of our previous episodes or check out our instagram great takes from the great lakes is the username we're going to start this week with number 10 through number six and at number 10 i have the seattle seahawks this team essentially goes as russell wilson goes and i think I hope that he's going to be playing at an MVP level like he did the first half of last season. But of course, much like I said, the team goes as he goes. And if he plays like he did in the second half of that season, I think they're going to have a similar result. Uh, Their O-line is so-so, which may hurt them down the line. But if you can have a real issue offensively with Russ under center, uh, I think it is their lack of a third option at wide receiver behind Metcalf and Lockett, which of course is a great one-two punch. Uh, maybe Dwayne Eskridge, which is who was their second round pick, is the answer. I guess the Seahawks fans uh, will just have to wait and see. But right now, I've got him kind of a safe pick at number 10. All right. And coming in at number 10 for me, I have the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, recent Cowboys news, uh, their head coach, Mike McCarthy, Uh, just told the media that Dak Prescott has been throwing, and I quote, light objects. I don't know if maybe with his injury he's been unable to throw a football or they're worried about him throwing a football or something like that. But 
I don't know that I've again I'm not how how would that have anything to do with what he throws like breaking his leg I don't know but I mean if they think it works for him I'm not going to judge it but I I don't think I think they're in a below average division so I think it gives them an I think they do have an opportunity if Dak can stay healthy and they can work and the team comes together I think they have an opportunity to take that division but I don't think I think as soon as they make the playoffs, they're going to get slaughtered with or without Dak um, being healthy, being at his best, wherever he is. I don't see this as a Super Bowl year, but I think given where they are and given the division that they are in, they could have a winning record at the end of the season. X Factor clearly will be Dak Prescott. Yeah, and at 10, I've got the San Francisco 49ers. I think that's another team you're talking about questions with quarterback. They've got a Big question between Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. I think we're going to see something similar. Obviously, Alex, you're talking about Dak Prescott. I think we're going to see something similar with Trey Lance. I think within the first couple of weeks, I think Garoppolo is going to be benched and Trey Lance is going to come out there and really just explode onto the scene. And I think they've they've got a good defense behind him, obviously, with uh, one of the two Bosa's. You know, if you got a Bosa on your defense, you're going to be great. And so I think it's going to be a really fun team to watch, and they should make the playoffs. I gotta say, it hurts me how genuinely amazing the Bosa's are as a Michigan fan. Uh, but I, I was so happy when uh, Nick Bosa announced that he was like taking his the rest of his season off uh, to train for, or to like rest and prepare for the NFL draft uh, because he would have been a terror on the field, especially against their Michigan Wolverines. Oh my gosh, they they always are, and uh, of course they're continuing at the NFL level. Uh, we've got number nine, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the NFC West is a very tough division. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the Cardinals will have to battle with the Rams, Seahawks, and 49ers, all in the same division, uh, battling for that crown. Uh, and I think it's really going to be a fight between uh, the Hawks and the Cards for that wild card spot, um, I think, behind a very good Rams team. Uh, the Cardinals added AJ Brown or AJ Green rather, and James Conner offensively, and of course JJ Watt defensively. In his third year, I think Kyler Murray's only going to get better. However, they did lose Patrick Peterson, uh, and they need someone to step up into that kind of quarterback one role for them. Uh, and they're going to need to be strong defensively as well as offensively, uh, and just consistent all year long to have any real shot. Uh, I think of pulling out of the pack in this very tough division, but I have them doing just that. All righty. And at number nine, I have the Los Angeles Rams. Christian, I think you and I can both agree it is going to be very tough seeing Matthew Stafford in a uniform that isn't the Detroit Lions Lions uniform. Um, And that's actually the reason I have them at number nine, and I have the Seahawks above them at number eight for a spoiler alert. But I don't think this is a year – that the Rams are going to, I don't think the Rams will take that division this year solely because uh, the Rams have been used to Jared Goff since 2016, 2017. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Matthew, Matthew Stafford has been with the Lions since 2009. So it's going to take time for him to adjust with his new coaching staff. It's also going to take time for the Rams coaching staff to adjust to Matthew Stafford because I don't think they are identical quarterbacks in their playing style. And for that reason, I have them finishing second in that division. Um, below the Seahawks, but I do think this is going to be a year of offense for the Rams, along with Aaron Donald holding it down defensively, but I think the Seahawks take that division. 
I, I got to say, I don't appreciate the mistrust in, in Stafford. I don't know if it's can you can you label it as mistrust and more. I mean, he's, it's, it's he's taken, proved time and time again that it doesn't matter how terrible his coaches are. I do well. He is getting a. I think he's getting probably the best coach he's ever had. Oh yeah, but that doesn't mean it won't take time for him to adjust because even without coaches, he's also had not that his players have like never not changed, but he's had a pretty consistent wide receiving core. Like he had Marvin Jones for a while. He had Galladay for a couple of years. He's had a he, and that's not to lessen Cooper Cup or uh, Robert Woods or any of those players. But I think it's going to take time for that him for everybody to adjust to everybody's playing styles. And for that reason, I don't think they take the division this year. I think you're crazy. I think I've I've got them up higher, and I I don't know. I don't want to spoil this too much, but I I was about to give it away before we started this that I was sad I had them as low as I did. And they're still I, – I, I like the Rams for this division. I do. Well, I'll talk about the Rams a little bit later. And I think Christian's close. I think it's going to be a tough race between those two, the Seahawks and the Rams. But at number nine for me, I've got the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, it's tough putting them above the Colts as a Colts fan, but I don't think you've got an option with Carson Wentz being out, Quentin Nelson having a surgery, and Darius Leonard being out with an ankle injury as well. Um Hey, you get to you get to suffer with us Lions fans now. We get this is what we've been saying all week. You get to suffer with us now. I'm just hoping we tank for a number one overall pick and we get a good quarterback, baby. <laughs> but to the Titans now. Uh, Titans obviously picked up Julio Jones earlier. I think that's going to be a great offense, but their biggest question is still on defense. How are they going to defend anybody? What are they going to look like? And how far can that offense take them? I think they're definitely going to run away with the division, especially if Wentz is out for an extended period of time. But I don't think they're going to be in the upper echelon of, you know, Super Bowl uh, hopefuls. So at number eight, I have the Titans uh, following Luke talking about the Titans. We're going to have some back-to-back Tennessee stuff here. But I got to say, I I hate to tell you this, but I don't don't think the Colts stood any real chance prior to those injuries. Uh, But (laughs) losing uh, their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, uh, is probably going to hurt the Titans. Um, but adding Julio, of course, to an already stacked offense won't hurt them at all. Uh, Hanhill is coming off a very strong season. The King in the backfield is coming off a historic season. And um, Julio and A.J. Brown are an incredible one-two punch. Uh, of course, it's going to be very hard to stop if even slow down. <clears throat> that being said, I think Luke, Hit the uh, hit the nail on the head there. Uh, their secondary is very young and unproven, uh, and their pass pass rush simply just probably won't be very good, uh, which limits this team. Um, I think it'll be an exciting team, of course, to watch. Uh, but unless their defense takes some really big steps forward, I, I don't think they're going to make any real sort of sort of run. And I well, I've already uh, given away who my number eight is but i do have the seattle seahawks here um i don't know that i can think of anyone else on the seahawks besides russell wilson at this point because obviously we are past the marshawn lynch uh russell wilson uh even the sydney rice seahawks days are long gone however i do think this is their you to take the division i think um unfortunately wilson struggled at the end of the year he finished with a 73.5 qbr um, and so I think it's really about how he 
lead it's he is the x factor it's how he leads that team forward um but i think given that i think he's the only question mark the seahawks really have because i think that's who they're relying on and if they can rally around him and if he can lead this team the right way they will have that division locked up because i think there are the seahawks have left less question marks if that makes sense i think the rams the cardinals and the 49ers all have a little bit uh not even uh more question marks but more valuable question marks um where there's a lot of uncertainty with those teams still and i think the seahawks are the team with the least uncertainty and that's why i have them taking that division and ranked at number eight yeah number eight i've got the baltimore ravens i really like their draft uh lamar jackson obviously has been incredible um but picking up rashad bateman was a really good pickup they can put him next to hollywood brown they can play together gives uh, lamar jackson another option um, I think they're going to be really solid. Their defense has always been incredibly uh, stingy. That's what Baltimore defense, like Baltimore Ravens, are known for is their defense, and they've never really stepped down from that. I think it's going to be another good year. Um, they're probably going to take the division, just looking at the other people, but it could be close. And we'll talk a little bit more about their uh, division opponents in a little bit. At number seven, it it hurts to say this, and I'm realizing that as a Detroit sports fan, basically talking about any sport. You have to say it hurts to say this because everyone's like always better than us. I don't think uh, there's ever been a more like true statement said on a sports <laughs> podcast ever. It, it's tough being being a Detroit fan, uh, as displayed by the Green Bay Packers at number seven. A Rod is officially back. Uh, the reigning MVP is back with the pack uh, for, I guess, his own rendition of the Last Dance. Uh, the team lost Corey Lindsay. They're all pro center as well as Jamal Williams. Um, but other than that, the team looks eerily similar to the one that went 13 and three and won the, or not won, lost in the NFC championship last year. And I genuinely think there is a, you know, any team A-Rod is on, he gives them that ceiling of a 13-3 NFC championship trip. And can he, you know, knock on the door, perhaps go to a Super Bowl again? I think it's Aaron Rodgers, especially with Devontae Adams back. I think that's very possible. Yeah, and rolling in at number seven, I have the Tennessee Titans who we talked a lot about, even in our first episode, I think we talked about Julio Jones because that was around the time that he had been traded to the Titans. However, I don't think that Julio Jones was necessarily the answer. Um, I think the Titans have a pretty solid offense already, as you mentioned, with Tannehill, Henry, and A.J. Brown. I don't think, obviously, that Julio Jones is going to hurt in any way, but I don't think he was necessarily the answer because they've lost a Dory Jackson, Malcolm Butler, Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, and Jadavian Clowney, three of those players all on the defensive side of the ball. They did get Caleb Farley in the first round of the NFL draft this year, who might be able to help out in the secondary, but he already does have a history with back problems. And so the the saying goes, defense wins championships. This is not a defensive championship team so far. And so I have them up at number seven because I think their offensive caliber is something that can't go unrecognized. But I don't think this is that championship year for the Titans that they've been looking for in the last couple of years because, as I just said, defense wins championships and they do not have that defense. Yeah, for player already has back injuries you don't want him carrying the whole defense but rolling into uh number seven i've got the cleveland browns i think they're going to be the team battling out with the ravens for their division title 
obviously Baker Mayfield's been really solid ever since he came in. He's only gotten better. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. coming back. Obviously, people were unsure if you know Baker Mayfield was better without uh, Beckham Jr. after he went down with his injury. I think that was incorrect. I think that was just the fault of the pandemic and not having any preseason or any practices. They just didn't have that chemistry. And then later in the year, Mayfield was able to build that chemistry and he just happened to be without uh, Odell Beckham. And so I think they're going to be fantastic this year. Their backfield is incredible with Nick Chubb. I think it's going to be a really fun year to watch them. Miles Garrett, of course, Denzel Ward on the defensive side. It's going to be really fun to watch them. And I think they're going to actually you know, make a push for the playoffs and win a couple games in there. I agree, honestly, that uh, they're one of the few Cleveland fans or Cleveland teams that I genuinely enjoy watching and don't have any animosity for. I do actually have them a little higher uh, but at number six, I have the Rams, and uh, as we've talked about on on this podcast, I'm very happy for Stafford. I genuinely do want him to succeed for the Rams, of course, except in the one game that they do play the Lions. Um, and L.A. might just be the perfect situation for him to succeed. Um, though I got I to gotta say, Alex brings up some good points that might not be this year. Uh, last year, this team had the best defensive, uh, best defense in the league, and they lost four starters, um, which would be very hard to replace. But they did bring back, of course, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, both 99s in Madden for a reason. Uh, that's going to be huge for their defense. That could push its way into another top five, even a top three defense in the league. Offensively, as we've touched on, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup incredible and joining them running routes is Deshaun Jackson who's a great deep field threat even at his age um, and Stafford is going to have a top five O-line for what seems like the first time in his career I think a big thing hampering them of course the chemistry him being there the first year as Alex talked about but also Cam Akers their uh, standout what was going to be his second year running back or his Achilles just a few weeks ago I think we're pushing three weeks now in training camp which I think really just hurts the ceiling of this team. If you're going to lose one player offensively, I, I think it would have to be Cam Akers if you have to lose one. And probably the most re- replaceable position in football is the running back just because it's a very oversaturated market. But Cam Akers was a very good running back. And I think there's still certainly a dark horse maybe team for a Super Bowl run, but uh, that that's, that window gets harder and harder without, um, you know, your star running back. Yeah, exactly. And pains me to do this. Packers at number six. Uh, they're going to take the NFC North. Aaron Rodgers is back. It was so it, – it, it was just cruel how I was able to get so excited for him to finally not be in Green Bay anymore just for him to go back. And as cruel as it is for me, I can't imagine how Jordan Love feels right now. I mean, he thought he was going to step up. This was going to be his year to shine, and he didn't get it. But I do have the Packers at number six. Obviously, now everybody is back. Um, One thing that I don't think has been touched on too much, uh, at least from what I've seen, is they have an absolutely amazing secondary uh, with Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, and Adrian Amos. Um, clear, clear top players in their, at their positions um, to anchor down the Packer defense, and I see no reason why the Packers won't take this division and make a playoff run this year. Absolutely. 
unfortunately, I don't see any reason how it won't. Yeah, Jair Alexander is absolutely incredible. And as we've seen in this league, you need a star cornerback to really solidify championship defense. And speaking of star cornerbacks, the number six, I got the Rams. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. I think that defense has been incredible. Matthew Stafford's going to give them their best offense they're going to have since like the first couple years of Jared Goff with Gurley when uh, Sean McVay, McVay was really getting going. I think Stafford's going to have a lot of fun with that offense. He can obviously air it out. He's got a heck of an arm, and he's got the people that can run underneath it and catch it. And I think it's going to be a really fun year for them. I think it's going to be a close battle for the division title, but they're absolutely going to be one of the most fun teams to watch. And it's going to be good to see Stafford with all the weapons around him, and hopefully he can get a ring. Man, I want... I want to see Stafford with the Super Bowl ring so bad. It it would have been nice for him to bring it to the D, but uh, come on now, that's a little unrealistic, at least even for us. One can always yeah. help. I, I can't like disagree. That's the sad part. Is you're you're so right, and it pains me to say it, but you are. And I mean, I guess we may not have football, but. Are you at least a little bit excited? I'm sure Christian's not excited at all about the Pistons Summer League. Are you even excited about the Pistons Summer League, Luke, as a Pacers fan? Well, I've heard they got somebody. Um, they picked him pretty high in the draft, or maybe it was a second rounder. I don't know. I, I heard he got, they got somebody. That What's guy, it? Isaiah Livers, he's pretty good. Garza. Garza's going to be the stud. Yeah, Garza's going to be the stud. Mm-hmm. Totally forgot about Luca Garza. <laughs> <laughs> but I am not excited at all. I actually don't like the Pistons, um, but I've heard Cade's pretty good. Um, <laughs> like, that sounded stupid, but that was very difficult for me to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, over see, in the NBA. I could see, like, literally as you were saying that, I could see you start to, like, grit your teeth and tense up <laughs> a little bit saying that. So I apologize. Luke and I apologize <laughs> for bringing that pain on you. <laughs> uh, moving from off-season to off-season in the NBA, um, we've got free agency, and we talked on, in the intro, a whirlwind of signing trades. Um, a lot, I got to say, uh, for for an offseason or for a, um, a free agency market that was not very saturated, we talked about it uh, off the air for the last couple of weeks, not really a year where there's a ton of big names, but it, it proved to be pretty exciting. We've got Kyle Lowry taking his talents to South Beach, we have a completely reloaded Chicago squad. Uh, the Lakers, of course, it was kind of bled into draft tonight, but added a ton of signings to build around, of course, what is was already a championship big three. NBA Twitter has had a ton of fun with uh, the age of their signings. But, Luke, you got like a, a favorite free agent or like a, a kind of a, a dark horse move you think was pretty good? Well, I really liked all of the Bulls' moves. I think the biggest question is going to be how they can defend, and I think we'll get more into this with uh, Midwest Minute, but I really like the Lonzo Ball pickup. He's a perfect complement for Zach Levine. Zach Levine can handle the ball. He can go score. And I don't know, like Team USA, he was defending. Both he and Devin Booker turned themselves into wing defenders and let KD just go off and score every time he needed to. And they both played really well defensively. And I think Zach Levine's one of the players that's really been developing ever since he had his ACL injury. He's really been developing each year. He's been getting better. And I think we're going to see that 
come into the new season is his defense going to be better. It's not might not be great, might not even be good, but it's going to be better, and he's going to try. And with, pair that with Lonzo Ball. I think that's really going to help is having Lonzo Ball on the, the best uh, offensive threat, have Zach Levine hide a little bit, but still he can play good defense if he gets switched or anything like that. I really like the Bulls. It's going to be it's gonna be fun to see Chicago basketball actually be good again. I'll tell you what, they're going to need some defense to keep up with all of that scoring. They added, I, mean, I don't want to give away too much for Midwest Minute here, but Lonzo, as we talked about, also DeRozan, a huge signing. The Bald Eagle coming over from L.A., great two-way player. Of course, Io, standout Illinois guard in the draft. It's going to be very fun to watch. I think similar to the Pacers, talking about another Midwest team, it's just going to be fun to watch. And while we're talking some Midwest teams, Duncan Robinson, the former Michigan man, got the bag. The bag. They paid the same amount for Kyle Lowry that they did for Duncan Robinson. Five mil, five years, $90 million. And as a Miami fan, which my little brother is a diehard Miami fan, I, I don't like the signing. I think you don't pay nearly anywhere near that much for a shooter, no matter how good he is, that's just a pure shooter. But for Duncan, I love it. My man wanted nothing but to be back uh, in South Beach. And, of course, they added Lowry as well, who uh, you know I just mentioned, and P.J. Tucker as well. That is going to be a great defensive team. As it kind of was before, I think the real issue down in Miami is can they get consistent offense because the issue last year – a lot of injuries, especially to Bam and uh, to Jimmy. But really, it was they have no scoring consistently, especially when Jimmy was out. They couldn't get anything because as good as you know Duncan Robinson is, and as good as Bam is, Bam is, they can't really get you know offense from. They can't create their own offense without Jimmy, and they didn't have great guard play outside of him. Uh, but I think, of course, their signings really add to that, and it's going to be kind of a, a fun dark horse team to watch in the East. And can we also just quick little Duncan Robinson shout out? Was a Division three transfer into Michigan lit it up throughout his time throughout his Michigan basketball career? Was one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best shooters I've ever seen in a Michigan basketball uniform. Went undrafted. And just got a five-year, $90 million deal. That's insane. Largest deal ever by an undrafted player. And it really is crazy. That's That just screams work ethic. And I mean, he, like you said, I think he is most known for his shooting. I don't know really what other notable like things stand out in terms of him as a player. Kind of but nothing. I think... But I think it's worth it for, like you said, it'll give them some shooting consistency. Mm-hmm. And if they have the money to do that, especially for five years, to keep him there and keep, I guess, building their offense around. I think he's a great player to build their offense around. But, again, undrafted, five years, $90 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. Wow. Like, that I think- is awesome. I think it's going to be a really fun team to watch, especially with Kyle Lowry. I think that really helps all of their problems that they were really trying to struggle with uh, production from the guard standpoint. And, I mean, we saw with P.J. Tucker during the uh, the Bucks celebration, we were talking about all the dogs they had there. Like, Miami's got some dogs right now. 
Oh and my gosh. Miami just knows how to get their way. If they've got a player they want, they're going to get him. And you know, it's funny you say that. They're getting investigated like Chicago for tampering right now. Oddly enough, LA isn't. Well, well it, it happened at 601 though, so you know it's okay. It was like 601 <laughs> at free agency. They're just really fast talkers, you know. <laughs> I mean, I I don't want to get into too much of the LA hate. Uh, but it apparently they like the big three of AD, Russ, and LeBron like met in person like well before free agency started. But then again, LeBron was at that event for his tequila thing, and he was not suspended or fined or anything. But I'm pretty sure Kevin Durant also met with the Warriors oh. like, long before he signed there. The Hamptons Five, yeah, yeah. It was, mm-hmm. it was the Hampton. Like I, I think like I don't know, and obviously I'm. I mean, no, I guess uh, I'm, I don't make the rules, but I feel like going and asking where I fit in, which is exactly what Kevin Durant did. He went and asked, you know, mm-hmm. where do I fit in? You guys just won a championship. Where do I fit into that role? And well, they'd won, hey, they'd won one before they'd lost. Yeah, true. Fair. But then but they took a massive L. They did. But anyways, if someone's asking where they fit in and is trying to get more knowledge about a team, I think that's that's smart for their career, and it's smart on the behalf of the team to do that, to go and get to know that person. Because I think a lot of the times that what players are solely getting is a stat sheet and yeah. scouting reports. So they don't get to know that person on – they don't get to know that player on a personal level. So I think it's, um, it's, really, it's just a smart move by the player and the team to go and do that if that's what actually happens. Honestly, I'm fine with it. I'm with that for sure. And I think – it's almost I'm good with the idea of tampering. We're like, yeah, go talk to the player, go talk to the team, whatever. But if it's a rule, which it is, and if it's a not just like an unspoken rule or like something that gets kind of passed up or like, like the travel rule where, yeah, it's two steps, but it's not really two steps. I think if it's something the league is actually investigating teams and finding teams for – then you got to make it universal and you have to kind of police every team, not just the ones that you want to, or the ones that are in like, aren't in huge markets. Well, part of the problem is I think is just how close this whole NBA community is and how many people grew up together and played together. Like Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum have talked multiple times about they're both St. Louis boys. They played against each other. Their dream was to play together. Like, are you going to find them every time, you know, they dap each other up after a game? Like, you know, like that's just, it's it's a tough part because so many people are friends and you've seen it with LeBron where, you know, he's always doing the events to try to get more people out there and just like hang out with people, building that community. And it's just tough because you want that. Like that's helping grow the friendship. You're seeing a lot more people close and you're seeing, but obviously you're seeing more super teams or more teams where it's like, okay, you know, we've been playing, I mean, Melo and LeBron came into the league at the same time. It's always been talked about, oh, you know, what if they pair up? And now they actually are. And, you know, like, are you going to try to stop them or you just got to deal with it? And I think you're going to run into that problem in the future, like when these stars like Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, that level of stars when they get older, those people that are just, you know, they've played up against each other. They've always, you know, been going at it. They always want to defend each other. It's like, you know, we got to play together at least once. You know, that's wild. This is just a random thing, but I, I love Russ, obviously. So I watched, I got kind of goaded myself into watching all the Wizards games. You know how they have this great friendship? Beal always insists on guarding Tatum whenever they play. Do you not see an issue with 
arguably the very worst defender in the entire NBA being like, yeah, Tatum, I got him. All NBA second team, I'll guard that guy. But, yeah. But... Maybe, he, maybe he realizes he's not the best defender and is trying to get better by guarding someone who is by noticeably... Getting, by getting, like, 50 drops on him. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it works. Hey, who am I to judge? <laughs> no, but, I mean, even... Uh, we did... That's the cool... I think, uh, obviously, we... Just to get into a little bit of Olympics talk, because we did, we do have Olympic basketball. Even when the NBA season isn't over, there's still professional, in a way, professional basketball being played. Which I, I just want that out there. Like we thought basketball was done, we forgot about the Olympics. I mean, it was incredible too. The watching that gold game, it really is. Kevin, everyone talks about like when you know someone will win MVP or be, you know, be first team all NBA and be like, man, those are the best guys in the world. And then you watch Kevin Durant just beat the crap out of the French team and be like, Oh, he actually is the best player in the entire world. A team of NBA superstars, which is essentially what the USA Olympic team is, was like, yes, we'll get out of the way and let Kevin Durant score any single one, every single one of our big buckets, which was really cool to watch. It was, and seeing that that mid game that he's got the mid range, like it's just nasty. You can't defend it, and I mean a huge shout out to Drew Holiday. I, I think he would be the second best player if you had gave him, you know, a gold medal, uh, silver, bronze for Team USA. Be Kevin Durant, runaway gold, Drew Holiday at the silver. I think that's an easy one, and I think Drew Holiday was absolutely incredible. He brought that intensity that Team USA was missing in the previous games. I mean, he came off a flight, 15-hour flight. The next day, he was playing and cover people the entire game. Like, he was just incredible. I thought it was so much fun to watch him play. And I think he's one of the few players that most teams, you know, well, most players would be like, okay, I just won the NBA Finals. I want to take a break. I want to relax. I think it helped Drew Holiday to come off of that just because of his intensity and how hard he plays. And he makes defense fun to watch. Like, honestly, he's incredible. And I think a huge shout-out to, obviously, him. Chris Middleton and Devin Booker for all coming off of the finals and just attacking it and showing, you know, the people have always kind of complained about, you know, why aren't the the top stars playing for Team USA? But you really see the people that want to play, they really want to play and they've got that pride in wearing, you know, their team's, their uh, nation's colors and Team USA written across it. But speaking of Team USA, women's basketball has been dominant and they just ran away with another gold, their fourth straight. And does any does, does any men's NBA player or men's Olympic basketball player have five gold medals? No, sir. Sue Bird does. Sue Bird does, and Diana Taurasi. Incredible. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. They Sue Bird, I believe, also did announce her Olympic retirement after this uh, tournament. Uh, I mean, five gold medals. That's a good that's resume. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Something, I think that's, it's it's decent. It's not great, but no, in all seriousness, that is incredible. So shout out to both the men's and women's USA Olympic basketball teams for bringing home the gold. Um, Fortunately, in this upcoming February, we get to see Olympic hockey uh, in the Winter Olympics, which will be in Beijing. Um... And speaking of hockey, we are right in the middle. Uh, I 
hockey season is going to start soon. Like it's, it's coming up so fast. It's not even like, I feel like we're not even getting a full off season for the NHL, but I know Luke, you've already mentioned that you have your list of the top free agents, at least left on the market. Who do you got? Absolutely. And like you're saying, I mean, it's a short off season and it's even shorter for some teams like the Seattle Kraken that are just getting started. They're, you know, they're trying to get all their equipment, Set up. There's a good article on the Athletic talking about just how it's, how difficult it is to get that kind of equipment, especially all the specialty stuff. But top five players left in free agency. Number one, I've got Zdeno Chara. He's the oldest player in the NHL. He's 44, which is just incredible. I was not expecting him to be that old, but he had a good year last year, and I think he's going to go to contender for one more Stanley Cup. I would love to see him go back to Boston. What he what? He's older than Joe Thornton. Yeah, maybe I'm exposing myself as what was already cleared, not a hockey fan, but is that a thing? Do players play that long? 44 is very, very if, you're like, if you're like seven feet tall and a defenseman, I think you can get by. Yeah. Fair, fair. But 44, I mean, that is wild. Yeah. That, that blew me away when the, he's older than Joe Thornton, but he played well last year. He actually played really well. I have knees at 44. <laughs> Mine will both be mine will both be replaced by. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though. And there we—he's not the only, uh, I guess, a veteran that we have as a free agent. Um, not to completely replace you, but I didn't realize that Zach Parise is also a free agent. Yeah, he got bought out by the Minnesota Wild. Him and uh, Ryan Suter. Suter already went to the Dallas Stars. People were thinking they'd go to, together to a team. So Parise could end up with the Stars. I think that would be a good fit, you know, play together, like we're seeing with the NBA, you know, play together with your friends, people you play together for a long time. But I think he could be similar to what the Maple Leafs did last year and just loading up on veterans, go to a contender. So I could see Parise going to a contender. Um, another free agent is Devin Dubnik, a goaltender. He hasn't been great for the past two years, but he was really good for a five-year stretch before that. I think he'll get signed early in the season. I don't think he'll get a contract in the free agency, but I think he'll get signed early in the season if a team has a goaltender injury or issues or anything like that. Another one, uh, Alex, from your Islanders, is Kyle Palmieri, who I'm stunned hasn't been signed yet. Yeah, maybe they're moving. I mean, they did already lose Jordan Everly, so I thought they would have signed him by now, but I guess not. Maybe they're looking to other forwards. I quite frankly have no idea. I have no idea, but I think... I really think he should go back to the Islanders. It fit really well for him. He played so well in the playoffs. And he's just he fits in that kind of grinded out, defensive, hard-nosed, opportunistic style of team. But he's not that old yet, so I think he'll kind of take one more contract and then start to you know go ring chasing if he really wants to. And last but certainly not least, another Islanders, Casey Zizekas. And I thought he was really good last year, especially watching yeah. him. Especially in the playoffs. Yeah. He went up against Crosby and won more faceoffs than Crosby did. And Crosby... That, that hurts you, doesn't it? It, it well, does. That hurt you to say, didn't it? It did. And watching it in Game 1, because I was actually there in Pittsburgh for Game 1, which obviously the Islanders won, but he was taking a lot of those faceoffs that you usually see Crosby win. And I think he's going to be good. He's still good enough for a third or fourth line center on a good team. So I think he'll go for a contender, a team that really needs to complete their team. I could see him going to the Hurricanes... We've got a young core, but you know, could you always use a couple of veterans to go in the third or fourth line? Why well, I wonder why the you'd think with the run, and I mean they took Tampa Bay to game seven. You'd think they would try to keep as much of that team together as possible, especially since 
they lost Jordan Everly. Like they they didn't like they don't even have a chance to. He's with the Kraken now. You'd think they'd try to keep as ma- as much of that team together as possible. I guess not. Maybe they're looking. Maybe they're looking to rebuild. I know that wouldn't make sense, but I don't know. I thought they would have re-signed Paul, at very least Palmieri by now. They haven't. Who knows? Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I thought like you know if they're gonna try to reload, maybe you know they'll move on from Varlamov or Sorokin. But they've stuck with both of those, and I like I would think if they're trying to go in for the Jack Eichel sweepstakes, you know they'll tra- say trade or they'll sign those guys to trade them, you know match contract, give some people, you know give Buffalo some good veterans. But I don't know, there might be something in the works. Jack Eichel obviously still hasn't been traded yet. It's kind of quieted down on if he's actually going to get traded. But I know his agent wasn't too happy about how the systems kind of failed him and Jack. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. But who knows what's going to happen with that? Yeah, exactly. And while all while both the well, all three NFL, NBA, and NHL are all still in their off seasons, we still have baseball, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we're getting into the dog days. Uh, playoffs will be here before we know it. Um, and I do want to quickly mention the fact that the Tampa Bay Rays are now the leading the AL East again. Um, they they took a series at home against the Boston Red Sox to take first place again. Um, I think the AL East is one of those divisions. The AL East and I think the NL West are clearly the two best divisions in baseball. And I think a lot of times when, at least recently, when when baseball fans and the media have pinned them up against each other, a lot of people are taking the NL West. I actually want to take the AL East in this one. And let me explain why. The... AL East not only has four teams with winning records compared to the NL West's three, however, the New York Yankees have some of the best bats in baseball and are at third place in that division. And I don't want to hear, oh, it's just because the Yankees are bad, the Yankees are bad. The Yankees were on a five-game winning streak until yesterday. So I don't think those moves were necessarily just buying, trying to buy players to make their ticket sales better. I think they're looking to win a championship. I don't know that it happens this year because they're already six and a half games back from first place and the Red Sox and Rays are rolling. But it doesn't... I don't think that it's fair to compare teams like the Dodgers to teams like the Dodgers who have that massive payroll. I don't even want to imagine what Magic Johnson's paybook looks or his checkbook looks like right now because adding Scherzer and Trey Turner to an already... um, Baseball fans know what I'm going to say. I never thought Scherzer... They had the cap space for Scherzer and Trey Turner. Clearly they do. But you can't compare a team like that who's in second place in their division to the Tampa Bay Rays who have one of the smallest... Cap, like salary caps in baseball and are leading their division. So it's true. It's money ball all over again, that money doesn't necessarily need to be spent on talent and it might even be spent on numbers. The Rays have some of the best rookies and the best prospects in baseball. Wander Franco has already been panning out amazingly for them. They are on a four game winning streak and are eight and two in their last 10. Well, obviously with all the, I mean, you've already talked about some of the great talent up high. So who's a dark horse for you, you know, second or third in their division? Who's a dark horse for you to really take out there and do well in the playoffs? 
quite frankly, I could see a Toronto Blue Jays playoff run. Now they're fourth in their division, but they're only two and a half games back from a, uh, a wild card spot. Uh, George Springer has been tearing it up. He was injured for most of the, or like probably most of the first half of the season, uh, and has came back and has been tearing it up. He had a go ahead, I believe, three one homer today. Um, obviously, they still have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's tearing it up at, with his bat. Um, I think Jose Barrios was a good addition if they're looking to make a playoff push. I think development-wise and building a farm system, they dealt probably two of, if not their best um, prospects to the Twins in the Barrios trade. So I don't know that they're looking for development. I think they're looking to make a playoff push now, and I think they have the bats and now a pitcher that can lead them there. So I do think we will see a Toronto Blue Jays um, playoff push. And it really comes back to my favorite statistic, Christian. What is my favorite statistic? Run differential, baby. Thank you, sir. Now, let's break down. So in the AL East, obviously, the AL East is led by the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, who are 8-2 and two in their last 10 on a four-game winning streak. Um, they have a, a run differential of plus 121. The second-place Boston Red Sox have a run differential of plus 33. The New York Yankees, who are third at the moment, have a run differential of plus 15. And the fourth-place Toronto Blue Jays have a run differential of plus 123. That can't go unnoticed. I think we will I think we will see a wild-card spot. I think it's going to be a Blue Jays-A's, as in Oakland A's, wild-card game this year. I think this is the Blue Jays' year to make a playoff push. Um, especially with the rookies that they are not rookies, but younger players that they have. Um, and I think acquiring Barrios and dealing their two of their best prospects was a sure sign of, we want to make the playoffs this season. And I think they may, they've made the right moves to do it. They just have to stay hot. You know, the last team that you said it was their year to go win was, uh, I hate to remind you of this, but the Phoenix Suns who then turned around and, didn't exactly win, so I don't know about the uh, their chances now. I think you might have cursed them. I have no words. <laughs> I mean, I hope, I hope I didn't because I do think um, I do like I I do genuinely like the moves that they made. I think they made the moves to say, like I've said, they made the moves to say we want a playoff push now. You're right about the Suns. I cursed the Suns. I might have just cursed the Blue Jays. But I think 95% of baseball fans will agree with me that they made the moves to say we are looking for a playoff push now, and I think they have the talent to do it. I mean, they're in prime position, 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, and they'd be leading or second in the division in, like, two or three other divisions in baseball. So, I mean... And they just took a game today against the, their division rival, Boston Red Sox, um, Especially coming down the stretch, uh, in general, we will see a lot of division play for ev- pretty much every team. Um, I know the Blue Jays do face the ti- our, our Detroit Tigers in a home-and-home home later in August, as well as the Chicago White Sox. Um, and when we get into September, we'll see a lot more divisional play. Um, so look out for that, but I think... If they can continue, if George Springer can continue to stay hot, if Jose Barrios can continue to pitch well, um, with that run differential stat, I see no reason why they can't make a playoff push. And I hope I didn't just curse them. 
we're going to roll right into Midwest Minute now and start over in the NBA. As we've talked about, a flurry of free agency signings and signing trades, and we can't, we just don't have time to go over every single one. So I'm just going to use my time here to go over every Midwest team and just a quick summary of who they added, you know, little lookout for next season. Uh, we're going to start with the Chicago Bulls because we talked so much about them already. They added, of course, Mr. Lonzo Ball, big baller brand, along with DeMar DeRozan. Surprisingly an underrated signing. I think people are kind of sleeping on the DeRozan addition, as well as, of course, Alex Caruso. And I think it's going to be a really, really exciting offense. And uh, Caruso adds, as well as Lonzo, a great addition of defense in the backcourt, which was really necessary after last year. They really didn't have defense anywhere on the team, consistently at least. I think Patrick Williams' growth is going to be big too. I really hate to say this, as a but as a Pistons fan, I kind of recognize that like, oh, you know, it's really exciting for all your fans, but you're just not in a position to really go and compete. And I, I do fear that Chicago fans have hyped themselves up a little too much and don't realize that this is at best a very expensive second round exit for the next two or three years. Obviously when I say second round, I mean maybe an Eastern conference finals visit if you know, it's bulls or uh, bucks nets rather playing in the second round, like it was this year, but it's, it's going to be interesting. I would really love to see the bulls. I especially love Zach Levine. I would love to see them make a push, but I see this second round really as their ceiling uh, over in Cleveland, the Cavs, did not make a ton of moves, really. In fact, they only legitimately made one move, which was re-signing Jarrett Allen to a huge deal, $20 million a year. And I think, personally, it's a great move because Allen and Mobley in the front court, I've talked a ton about how it doesn't make sense, but for some reason it makes sense, and I think it's going to work surprisingly well, especially in these first couple of years but you really overpaid to keep Allen. And as a Cavs, I think I disagree with a lot of NBA fans out there who really don't see an Allen-Mobley pairing working at all. But aside from that, even even with seeing that as something that's going to you know, go well for this team, you got to be a little confused as a Cavs fan. You haven't seen Sexton traded yet. You have a weak front court that you overpaid for. I think it'll be interesting to see where they go from here in the rebuilding process. One thing I got to say, Next though, up. one thing I got to say about the Cavs is it's going to be tough to score against that front court oh with Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and Isaac Okoro. Good luck scoring against those three. It's going to be, I think we're going to see a lot of Okoro and Mobley playing again together in the summer league. And that's a tough front court to score up against. So good luck with that one. That's facts. And they're all not only just good individual defenders, but premier rim protectors, especially Allen. Of course, he's got perhaps the best block highlight reel of any center in the league right now. Um, over with uh, the Pistons in Detroit, you know I'm going to talk a ton about this uh, during Michigan Madness. Uh, but real quick, they re-signed Saban Lee and Corey Joseph to multi-year deals. I like them as good pickups, especially uh, Kojo, who uh, – this is an interesting thing. We actually released him uh, about a week before the re-signing. Everyone was kind of mad about that. 
Uh, but then we re-signed him to a much smaller deal, saved about $7 million a year, which I think is a very smart move by a, you know, a smaller market team that's kind of pinching pennies, especially when you're talking about taking on – I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but the buyout – you remember the Pistons buying out Josh Smith, and we ended up paying him $5 million a year for I think it was five years, even after he was not playing in the league anymore. And I think the Pistons – uh, did a great move in when we bought out Blake Griffin. We're paying off all $29 million this coming year. Every single dime of that buyout is this year, which financially doesn't make a ton of sense. But if you're the Pistons, if you're rebuilding and you're going to get better and better every year, you don't want five, eight, ten million sitting on that payroll in four years when you need to sign some shooters around Cade. I... I think it's a great move. And uh, over in the Pacers uh, for Indiana, brought back uh, TJ after dealing uh, away Aaron Holiday. Of course, also added Torrey Craig, fresh off of a finals loss. Uh, great defensive stopper. I don't know about you, Luke. I know you're going to have some opinions on this, but I feel like this roster is just not balanced yet, and we're kind of just waiting on a Miles Turner trade. I agree, and I think that's really what's going to help complete this Roster is another good small forward, kind of three or four, uh, you know, six, five to six, eight guy, just right in the middle. And then, you know, we can start with Sabonis at the five, but I think we can't have all of these centers in this league. We can't, you know, we've saw that the Twin Towers didn't really work last year, and we've seen it not work previously, even with like DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis forever ago in New Orleans. And I think Miles Turner has got to be gone, but it's kind of getting tough to figure out who he's going to go to because obviously the Hornets have always been rumored to them. I don't think they're going to now. The Celtics have been rumored to get him. They've already got Al Horford. They've already got all their guys. They've got both Williamses. Like they've got their guys they want to roll with. And it's tough to figure out, you know, who actually wants Miles Turner right now, which means we might see him come into the season still on the Pacers. That would be tough, I think, because without a move, this roster is probably set and with like, what is it? Is it five rosters or five roster spots used up by centers? I think that is, will be interesting. Let's say that it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, well, let's round out the Midwest real quick with the Bucks, who did a great job reloading. You know, we love Bobby here in the podcast. Uh, they re-signed Bobby Portis and his wild eyes for two more years. Uh, they also made a slew of smaller signings. Those are George Hill, Rodney Hood, Semi Ojale, and Grayson Allen. They did, however, lose Brent Forbes and P.J. Tucker. Uh, the way I see it, honestly, is Ojale is a great defender. Uh, Grayson Allen gives a much-needed shooting. And they seem like the perfect cheap replacements for P.J. and Forbes, who, of course, gave you, respectively, defense and shooting. And then George Hill is, of course, an instant upgrade over Jeff Teague at point guard, and he knows how to play with Giannis. He was there, not last, not this past season, but the year before. Uh, so, I think this is just about the perfect offseason you could have asked for for a small market team trying to maintain their core. And I think they just reloaded very well. Absolutely. And talking about offseasons, obviously the NHL is still going on. Like I said, it's really quiet right now. There isn't a ton to go about, so we won't really talk much about it this week. But in the coming weeks, I think there's going to be some more pickup, obviously, with some training camps, practices, stuff like that going on. So we'll talk more about NHL in the next coming weeks. Then over in the NFL, um, quick shout out to the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, there hasn't been a lot of great news coming out of training camps uh, because there's been a couple injuries, if you haven't heard. Uh, But Darius Leonard today, 
just got signed to a five-year, $98.5 million extension, which is well-deserved. He's an absolute baller. He's been proving people wrong since he came into the league, and he's really the leader of the defense with DeForest Buckner. And that defense is going to be fun. I don't know about the offense, but the defense is going to be really fun. I went to the training camp today, and Quiddy Pay, their first-round pick, looks really good. Kept breaking through the line, even on one-on-one drills. And I think the defense could be top five in the league. We talked about really good defenses with the Rams, the Seahawks, teams like that. I think in the next coming years, but it could be as early as this year, they're going to be top five. So even if the Colts don't have wins for most of the season, I think it's going to be really fun to watch that defense. Yeah, and uh, rolling right off of NFL into the MLB, not much has changed for our Midwest MLB teams in terms of uh, standing shifts uh, over in the American League Central. You guessed it, the Chicago White Sox are still leading that division. Uh, they're 65-46. and 46. They're on an even 5-5 five and five in the last 10 of the two-game win streak. Um, Cleveland Indians, uh, 10 games back in that division, are in second place with a 54-55 and 55, uh, win-loss record. They are 4-6 and six in the last 10 and just took the final, series, the final game of the series against the Detroit Tigers today who are in third place, uh, 54 and 60. Uh, the Tigers are 12 and a half games back. Um, they're five and five in the last 10 and obviously are on a one game losing streak with that loss against Cleveland today. Um, then rounding out the bottom of the AL central are the Kansas city Royals and the Minnesota twins, uh, who are respectively 17 and 17 and a half games back from first place. Uh, the Royals are 47 and 62 while the twins are 48 and 64. And then rolling into the National League, uh, Milwaukee Brewers, again, still on top, uh, 66 and 46. Uh, they're 6 and 4 in the last 10, but on a two game losing streak. Cincinnati Reds have been on fire, though, recently. They're 8 and 2 in their last 10 on a five game winning streak and are only five games back in their division and are two and a half games back from a wild card spot. Um, St. Louis Cardinals, I believe, were also sitting at 500 in our last episode, are still at sitting at 500 with a 55-55 and 55 win-loss record. Um, they are 10 games back in their division and are also 5-5 five and five in their last 10. So it looks like 5 just happens to be the Cardinals' number. Uh, but they are on a, a two-game winning streak. And then rounding out the bottom of the NL Central are the Chicago Cubs and Pittsburgh Pirates. The Cubs are 14 games back from first place, while the Pirates are 25 games back. The Pirates have lost five in a row, while the Cubs have lost three in a row. Um, And on that note, let us roll right into Michigan Madness. Michigan Madness, we're starting just like Midwest Minute. Uh, that is in the NBA this time with the Pistons. I think Alex was a little worried I'd run out of things to talk about for the Pistons. You know that's not possible. Uh, Let's start with the fact that the Summer League roster is just our actual roster. It's just got our three first-round picks from last year. Of course, Cade, Seku. Does that that worry you at all? Does that scare you at all? It's it's proof that our – I think it's a good thing that we have a young team, and this is where, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's a good mm-hmm. thing to have a young team in the sense that this is a team that we can have around for a while. I don't think too many people are going anywhere, and this is a core that we can build around. Mm-hmm. But that also leaves room for unex- for you know inexperienced players. Very true. Which is why, perfect intro here, into bringing back Corey Joseph on a two-year deal. It only actually is a cap hit. 
of, I believe, about two and a half million, or I guess three million a year each year to five million overall um, per year to Corey Joseph. He was great for us last year, great distributor. But guess what he is? Is a very solid veteran point guard and a great distributor that is going to help both Stephen Lee and, of course, Cade Cunningham, as well as, who knows, maybe a little bit of Killian Hayes. I still believe in that guy. Um, believe it or not, I think a lot of Pistons fans have given hope up a little early here. Uh, but we also signed Kelly Olenek to a three-year deal, which is a little more interesting um, because, of course, he's not a great defender. But what he is is a stretch five, which are very valuable in the NBA, as we know. And the, uh, the more spaced out you can get the floor around your number one overall pick, the better. So as much as personally, I kind of am so-so on the actual deal, the third year is a team option, which is huge. That was my biggest thing, was it being such a long deal. But then him also bringing shooting to the team is big. Uh, one last thing is that we signed Trey Lyles to a two-year, $5 million deal. Not a lot of cap hit. It's fine not really affecting anything other than effectively getting rid of Sekou's chance with the team. He kind of fills that role in the minutes. I really would have liked to see that roster spot be used up on someone that, let's be honest, is better than Trey Lyles. Not to say he's not good, but he's kind of hit his peak, I think. And we have guys like Frank Jackson and Hami Diallo who, you know, have much higher ceilings. And we just cut uh, Dennis Smith Jr., um, which, if everything adds up right, and I'm not crazy here, leaves one roster spot open effectively for either Frank or Diallo. And I kind of hate to have to choose between the two, but I think that's just the situation we're in. Also, before we end, 8.30 tonight in 20 minutes from when we're recording this right now, we're about to see Cade score in a Pistons jersey for the first time. They're playing the Thunder in the Summer League. How many points is he going to score tonight? Watch him now score not, watch him now not <laughs> score a single point. Come on, come on. When have I jinxed anything in the past? How many points is he going to score, though? 400. Um, <laughs> cool. uh, 23. I'm thinking 23. But I don't know if he gets that high solely because Summer League, they really try to make sure everyone gets minutes. So I'd, I'd I'm writing that play. down solely so if he doesn't score 23 points, I won't be the only one cursing things anymore. Hey, hey, that's fair. I right. I love me some Cade. I, I want to see a 23-piece tonight. Exactly. Well, you, you'd think that uh, we would only see, I guess, free agency or roster deals or really any type of signing uh, with the NBA or the NHL right now, considering both teams uh, or both leagues are in their off seasons. But the Tigers actually just recently signed Jonathan Scope to a two-year extension. Um, Scope was a name that was being tossed around a lot during the trade deadline. Uh, the Tigers decided to hold on to him and obviously have now extended his contract for another two years. Uh, he was current. He was on a one-year contract that he signed, I believe, last February. Um, and I think this is a good signing. Um, my only question is, how does he fit in with Spencer Torkelson if he ends up being called up to the majors uh, in the next two years, which I'd hope he is. Uh, he's been on fire lately. He, I believe, has hit, I think he's had like um, three or three straight games with a home run or something along those lines. Um, but he is tearing it up right now. And so that was really my only question mark is, will it make sense 
to keep him on along with Torkelson. Uh, will we see Torkelson specifically at third and maybe Candelario shifts over to short or second? Um, or will Scope maybe just simply become the DH or one of the two of them? I don't know, but I think Scope has been pretty consistent. I was shocked that he wasn't an all-star uh, this year, especially considering he was on a hitting hot streak uh, just before the all-star break. Um but just to give our audience some scope statistics, uh, he's currently batting 288 uh, with 18 homers and a 333 OBP. Um, he also has 64 RBIs and um, 198 total bases in 427 at bats, which I think is pretty good for what the Tigers need right now, and, and especially in terms of hitting. I think the nice thing, the, the thing that reminded this signing reminded me of is that. I think as soon as Miguel Cabrera uh, retires or is no longer, if he plays out through his contract, we will have so much more cap space to work with. Um, quite frankly, I do think scope could be worth more than seven and a half million per year to another team. But I think keeping him in Detroit will be good, uh, especially with the clubhouse culture that everybody's talking about right now. I think one thing that has stayed consistent this season is that Players in Detroit are happy to be there, which I don't think we've seen in a long time. I think everybody's gelling together really well. I think A.J. Hinch has been a great leader. Um, and so it's nice to see that they are, they're looking especially to keep what they have and build off of it in any way they can. I do think we are going to see uh, some big money deals with the Tigers this offseason. I think there's a chance we do sign Carlos Correa. Um Although I like Zach Short, I think adding an all-star like Correa could be a big solution to a lot of the Tigers' woes. But back to Scope, I think that is a great signing. I think it's someone to keep on, and we didn't spend as much money as I think we probably could have, which I do have to say is pretty good. Um, it gives us more options, and it means that Scope isn't just here for the money. He wants to bring a championship to Detroit, and I think that's pretty evident. Um, and Tigers just finished off finished up in a way series in Cleveland where they unfortunately lost two out of the three games. Um, before that though, they took two of three from the Boston Red Sox. And I know Christian, you were actually at one of those games um, and quick little funny story for our listeners over here. Um, I did happen to be watching the game uh, and know that Christian was sitting, I believe about right center field, right field bleachers, that area. Yep, yep, right there. Um, and would you like to tell our listeners why uh, why that is just so important to me right now? Uh, because we were just talking about scope, and he smacked a homer into no, the opposite no, field that I was sitting no, on? No, no, absolutely not. As I turn on the game, Robbie Grossman drops a ball right in front of Christian, and I know you had something to do with it. Yeah, that may have been me. Um I may have cursed Robbie Grossman. That was so hard to watch. Everyone <laughs> was just leaning right over the fence and just, it, it wasn't an easy out, but it was very, it literally hit the inside of his glove glove and just fell. And I was, oh my gosh. I thought I was going to get on TV, to be honest with you, because I was 10 feet over him. And just as he walked away, like head down, he gets real like mad at himself whenever he strikes out or makes an error like that. And I'm just staring. I, I was so pissed. But, it's our, but you know what? It didn't count as an error, so it's fine. And you know what? I do have to say, um, 
I didn't really understand the Robbie Grossman signing when we signed him this offseason, but he has panned out pretty well. He's batting 233 with a 358 OBP. Uh, he has 17 home runs and 52 RBIs. Um, I think he has actually panned. He's been a very good sign for us. I think he's come up clutch when we need him to. Uh, I think it was a very underrated signing, especially at the time. Um, and so, although despite that error, which I'm going to count as an error, I do want to actually shout out Robbie Grossman because he has been another one of those players like Scope that has um, played a bigger role in transforming Detroit baseball than I thought he would. And I could not be happier about it, even though Christian may have cursed him. Speaking of transforming Detroit, a couple more guys in the Red Wings have their arbitration date set. For those that don't know what arbitration is, arbitration is when a team and a player each propose a salary at a hearing and then a neutral third party will set the player's salary after the process. You can sign before that. You can sign a player to a contract. So Jacob Rana has a arbitration date set for August 11th, three days from when we're recording this. And Adam Ernie has a date of August 21st. So they can both be signed right before those dates or at any point. Christian, you got a question? What? Why did they... I, this is, I guess, the second time on this podcast I'm exposing the fact that I clearly don't watch hockey. But why did why do they need a third party to set that for them? I don't, I, I don't think that makes any sense to me. I was I a mean, little con- confused about it, too, to be totally honest. But... It, I mean, it seems to work for teams. I think mostly it's more... You know what? We're going to have to leave this for next episode because salary arbitration started with baseball. And I know <laughs> that if you really want to have a discussion about it, that would be a great discussion for next episode, especially because salary arbitration is very complicated. But um, That'll be a deep dive. Yeah. For, I would say definitely for our listeners who don't have too much experience or don't know enough uh, about salary arbitration... Try to follow along with um, the proceedings that you see, and it really gives you a clear cut, a, a clear idea of how it works because it's not something that um, is easy to understand without watching it unfold. And it's not like I'm not saying obviously go to wherever they're meeting and watch the watch that happen, but be that third party. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. But what I am saying is, if you see and if you want to do more research about it, especially right now. Um, you're going to see a lot of other teams have salary arbitration meetings um, with their players in the NHL. And so definitely follow along as, as closely as you can, because arbitration actually plays a much bigger role in these uh, major sports than anybody realizes. Absolutely. And again, those dates, if, if anything happens, keep an eye out for uh, Jacob Rana, August 11th and Adam Ernie, the 21st. But expect those both to be re-signed to the Red Wings. And having Rana back is really good. He had 36 points in 50 games. He's only 25. Having him back is really good. He's going to help grow. And Adam Ernie is also very solid. He had 20 points in 45 games. He's only 26. And another thing, I said the Red Wings had a really good offseason. I really liked them. The Athletic put out a graphic saying that they were the sixth best team to improve during the offseason. They had about two or three wins while only spending $6 million. So that really shows how well they did in the free in the free agency, the offseason trading, and I think it's going to be a really fun team to watch. All right, that is going to do it for Episode 8 of Great Takes from the Great Lakes, presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. We've been Luke Morey, Alex Dimel, and Christian peck Dimmitt. Go follow the Instagram. If you haven't Go followed follow Instagram the Instagram. Point, if you haven't followed it, there's no point in having Instagram if you're not going to follow us. Very true. And you can find... Uh, 
us on Instagram at just great takes from the Great Lakes. Pretty convenient. That was still open. Uh, but Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok underscore TV sports is where you can find the Tunnel Vision Sports accounts. And then on Facebook and LinkedIn at just Tunnel Vision Sports. And then, of course, www.tvsportsmag.com. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you guys all next week.